Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another Ogletree Deacons podcast. My name is Bud Bobber. I'm a lawyer in Ogletree's Milwaukee office, and I chair our firm's Manufacturing Industry Practice Group. That's a natural extension of my advising and defending manufacturers in a wide variety of traditional labor and other employment law matters for over 30 years. I'm very happy that you are checking out this particular podcast with an interest in our topic today, Insights for Hiring and Employing Veterans. I want to share with employers some thought leadership on this topic for several reasons. First, many employers continue to experience a talent shortage, and they would likely benefit from intentionally thinking in some new ways about how to open up the candidate pipelines. Second, Veterans remain a ready source of talent that continues to flow into the civilian workforce on a regular basis. Currently, there are more than 20 million military veterans in the U.S. Most veterans leave military service with the intention of entering civilian life and re-entering the workforce, but barriers and impediments remain. These can include the required adjustments to new social environments, or for some, coping with emotional and psychological health issues, and for many, transitioning from a military to a civilian culture. As a society, we have not fully understood and knocked down those barriers. In fact, studies show that the underemployment of veterans is actually getting worse, with 11% of employed veterans in 2010 qualifying as being underemployed to their skills and education compared to 34% of such veterans being underemployed in 2019. Third, getting better at hiring and employing veterans is just the right thing for U.S. employers to do. Everyone seems quick to agree in principle that our society owes veterans a robust opportunity to thrive in civilian life after they've served in the military Together, we are just not getting that job done. To add value to the conversation about this important topic, I knew I needed to partner with a thought leader in this space. Thankfully, I found one, and he is willing to join me today. His name is Sean Kelly, K-E-L-L-E-Y. Sean Kelly is an executive in residence at the Fuqua School of Business at Duke University. Sean is nationally recognized as a leading expert in corporate military affairs, recruiting, and transition programs. He architected military affairs strategies for both Microsoft and Amazon firsts for each company and establishing both as leaders for the industry. Sean is a subject matter expert that has testified before Congress on military transition and programs and he leads the Industry Advocacy and Change Leadership Committee. More information about Sean can be found on his LinkedIn profile and at his website, 
C and sageventures.com, S-E-A-A-N-D-S-A-G-E-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S.com. Sean, welcome to this podcast and thank you so very much for being here. Bud, it's always interesting to hear that intro and, uh, and I appreciate your interest in, uh, in bringing this conversation to the forefront. It's really important uh, across the nation, and and I'm thankful for the opportunity to share a, a few nuggets with your audience. Well, let me start then with the rationale, Sean, what might be perfectly intuitive to you uh, based on your extensive work in this space may not be so obvious to everyone, including some of our employers that are listening into the podcast. Can you speak a little bit, please, about the why, the, the, the rationale that employers should consider for having some intentional strategy about finding, hiring, and then employing veterans? Absolutely. I think, you know, really at the forefront, my mindset comes to this from a talent perspective. Um, I think it's easy to say that the majority of companies today are experiencing really tight labor markets and the opportunity to find uh, employees who are highly trained, technical, team oriented, even loyal and mission focused. So they're trained to really deliver for something bigger than themselves. I think all those are characteristics of employees that many employers would say, yes, please. Um, and the other thing, just from a talent supply perspective, it's an interesting data point to share that, you know, a quarter of a million uh, people who have served their time, whether it's two years, four years, or 30 years, are going to transition out of the service every single year. It's a perpetual supply of talent that if you as an employer uh, have built a brand and, you know, really put out the welcome mat, you can create a sustainable talent pool uh, for your company for, for years to come. And so I think those are a couple of the initial things that I look at. And, you know, when I built the Microsoft Software and Systems Academy, one of the things I also thought is the, the military teaches people to be ongoing learners. So really having that trained mindset that like, hey, if I don't know how to do the thing, I can skill up and learn to do it, which is also a really key aspect of the, you know, changing environment for business today. So those are a couple of, couple of things off the top of my head that uh, I think folks can think about. And yet, Sean, we're in this situation where so many studies show us that veterans are, remain unemployed or underemployed. And I can't help but wonder why that is, I think most people can agree on the, at least the patriotic um, sense that, um, yes, it would be good. It would be good to employ veterans and support veterans as they transition back into the civilian life and the civilian workforce, but it's, it, it, it's not happening fully or completely yet. H have you encountered some thinking stereotypes, maybe myths out there that seem to be perhaps a drag on this process of hiring and employing veterans? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, the unemployment side of the equation, you know, a, a, an amazing group of leaders, you know, Senator Murray from my home state uh, championed the Vow to Hire Heroes Act uh, that really changed access for companies to to have access to exiting pipeline. And we've really addressed a lot of that side of the equation and have, you know, great employment rates. The underemployment continues to be a really pressing problem. And sort of the why behind it is really challenging. I mean, the simplest way I think about it is, you know, imagine you sign up as a, you know, person right out of college or someone right out of high school and you you have this desire to give back and you put on a uniform, you feel proud of what you did. And then, you know, your time's up and they're like, okay, reimagine the rest of your life. And there's this psychological transition that I think people have not paid enough attention to, which is, you know, things about like, what do you want to wake up and do? What are you good at? Um, and the free choice to go do that can sometimes be really daunting for people to figure out. And so like even the tech industry where I've advocated tremendously, you know, I used to go to military hiring events when we first really started doing that, you know, 15 years ago. And I would say, hey, how come you didn't stop by the Microsoft booth? People are like, who, me? I am not a computer programmer. I'm like, we do a lot of stuff other than that. So this idea of teaching people about business, about what's possible, that every company has a ton of different opportunities, I think it's been, it's an ongoing challenge and a little troubling for me to figure out why we haven't solved it. But um, that's part of it. I think one of the things we've also talked about that's interesting is um, who's meeting who at the front door of companies um, and who has ideas, you know, what do I, what do I think as a military veteran, is this company going to welcome me, which creates its own stereotypes and biases in my mind. And then, you know, might have a, you know, a, a member of the recruiting staff who doesn't know anybody in the military and all they've ever seen is someone on TV. It can create some disconnects that are, um, you know, important to level set on, you know, both sides of that equation to get it right and create like a friendly place to meet where there's, some common knowledge about uh, each each other that allows the exploration of you know where somebody can fit in and and what they're capable to do a little more easily. I'd like to pick up on that point, please, because in recent years, there's been a lot of discussion in the world of employee relations and employment law about mm -hmm. overcoming unconscious bias. You know, some of those some of those stereotypes that are just embedded in our minds from culture, media, whatever it might be, that unless we recognize them, we may bring them into our decision-making when we deal with uh, people in certain types of categories. And unconscious bias has been talked about with race and gender and the like. But it makes me wonder, since veteran status is an employment law protected category, just mm -hmm. like race and gender and, and some others. Yep. It, it makes me wonder if, if you've seen stereotypes both on the negative side, but maybe even also on the positive side that sometimes uh, can perhaps lead employers into an unconscious bias and again, impede this process from working as well as it could or perhaps should. Yeah, it's a really insightful, but because I, this is a key part of my work with uh, Dr. Aaron Kay and Dr. David Sherman at Duke. Uh, 
to look at the the stereotypes that do unintentionally get in the way of of um, you know these employment transitions. So one, one, let's take one. You see a lot of things talking about heroes, and it can unintentionally have us think of like literally superheroes. So, you know, somebody's going to run through a wall. You know, my colleagues who are way smarter than me in the social psychology area would call, you know, people can have turned this uh, person who might've been a cook in the military into some bigger in life picture of a person that is confined to only doing operations work where, you know, we're just going to run through the wall and we're going to do the thing. And all we need is, you know, regimented goal setting. When in fact, this person might be a great HR manager or, or might be somebody who wants to transition into a totally different field, like sales, let's say, where relationships are really key. People might unintentionally rule out a veteran from a feeling profession. If you were to sort of generalize and say, you know, whether it's HR, maybe nursing, you have huge shortages in nurses in the country. And there'd be a ton of veterans would be great to transition into that profession. But we would think of that as a general sort of a, a nurturing profession and might think, oh, veterans are going to be a little hardcore for that. So that's one example. And I think this idea that, oh, you know, veterans may not be technical enough and actually super, you know, the, the military is very high tech. And, uh, you know, I've had numbers of conversations with leaders when I first proposed programs at Microsoft early on, and they're like, ah, you know, are they going to be technical enough? I'm like, the interview will tell us that, you know, let's just, let's close the deal and like make this process happen. And of course there's this, you know, stigma around mental health and, and PTS, which is actually, you know, prominent in society in general. But for whatever reason, you know, that can get tagged because of some, you know, in some cases, the media or the, the sort of single stories that are out there about veterans. And, and certainly there's a very small subset of the community that has some challenges that we need to support and rally around. But, you know, all those things in my assessment are, you know, protected and people are getting a lot of help and support in that area. But if that's your go in is like, oh, my gosh, I'm afraid of this person. It's just the first engagement is off. So I tried to, you know, work with teams to just provide education and counter some of that narrative with just understanding the military, the broad cross section of people. And I, and I, you know, when I talked, didn't talk about in the why is it's a very diverse community, right? Across all races, gender, um, experiences, technical, non-technical. It's, it's one of the most diverse talent pools you could ever tap into, that alone comes with, uh, you know, all of the things you talked about earlier that people have, you know, addressed in other biases and stereotypes. You know, that's that comes with the community called veterans, too. Sean, I, I really appreciate those insights. I think we have a lot of people listening to our podcast series that want to pay close attention to stereotypes and breakthrough unconscious biases. And so I want to pivot and ask you about how should an employer that's interested in pursuing a, a very intentional strategy to find, hire, and, and employ veterans, can you give us a couple of comments about how employers should go about doing that? I think, you know, interestingly, I, my experience has been that somebody steps up and becomes a champion because they are invested, whether their family member was in the military or they themselves were, and they, they feel like they want to get started. So I'd say 
start with who you have. And I think in a lot of cases, employers don't actually know because they don't have good mechanisms for self-disclosure at the beginning of the process. And uh, like a tactical example, you know, when we first did this at Microsoft, I was like, can we get a count? How many veterans are here? Maybe we'll dispel some myths because there's a bunch more than we think. And we really realized that it was haphazard how we had been collecting that data. And we went went back out and, and um, you know, did a special uh, survey out to the community. And all of a sudden we saw, oh, wow, we've got pockets of veterans in the company. That's good. This is our beginning of the power. And we also learned that in those self-disclosures, sometimes will, people will say, are you a veteran? Or are you a veteran in the U.S. military? Some people who have served in the military don't even think of themselves as veterans because they're like, well, I didn't serve in a war, right? There's this self-deprecation of what I did wasn't that important. You know, I just served on a submarine or, you know, I was, I was at a base. And it's like, no, actually, if you ask the question, did you ever wear the uniform of the United States military? All of a sudden, your numbers are higher and people come forward. So I, that would be one that I would recommend. The other is to sort of look at, um, you know, if, if you have that, then you have a baseline to say, okay, if we have pockets, why do we have pockets there? You know, whether it's in, you know, a certain area of the company, you know, game development or finance, you're like, weird, how do we get all these veterans in finance? Well, let's back it up and figure out what, do we do something in that recruiting process differently? And, you know, for my recruiting teams, I was always a metrics driven leader. I would be like, okay, great. If you're actually, you know, an employer that is under an affirmative action obligation, the math's right there for you. So that's, you know, my, the big companies I work for, I was like, hey, let's at least do the math and try. So if we were to be compliant with that stretch goal, what's that math look like? Oh, gosh, if we hired 500 veterans, okay, so where would we hire 500 veterans? I would suggest do the math. Because then you can start as a, you know, in a recruiting organization, just say, okay, let's go and try to hire 10 military veterans into the finance org. And that's a start. And you can get that momentum going. I think the organizations that really start to excel, appoint a person full-time as a recruiter or a project manager, or if you're in a small company, it's just, it's a collateral duty, but it's a formal one. It's not off the side, you know, it's like, hey, we're going to allow you to spend 10, 20% of your time. Help us begin to put a face to the community because the veteran community I have found really responds to, um, I'll call it a culturally competent, and it doesn't have to be a veteran, but somebody who really understands the military being the face to show up at a hiring event or at a base it just reduces the stress and anxiety. So I would say those are a couple of the first steps. Count who's there, you know, look at where that gives you some bones to put things together and, you know, be metrics oriented, a pretty straightforward way to do this. Really good stuff, Sean. And I'd like to add one mm -hmm. from my own experience here at Ogletree in our law firm that I'd ask uh, listeners to consider for their company. Um, this year on Veterans Day, we are launching our business resource group um, for veterans. And we've had for years business resource groups for different um, uh, categories of lawyers and, and different protected classes or different life situations. And 
properly done, those can be a really effective way to gather some voices, uh, create um, community, camaraderie, and then through those voices, speak to the rest of the organization about the particular experiences, point of views, and needs of, of employees in these categories. And I see no reason why that can't be very successful with respect to veterans as it has been when done properly with respect to people in other protected employment law categories. Uh, but enough about me, Sean, I'm going to have to bring the podcast to a close in a few moments. So I want to give you the final word as, as you think through what we've talked about and this <laughs> topic more broadly, is there a parting um, uh, word or comment that you'd like to leave with our listeners? I appreciate uh, the opportunity to to share a few nuggets, and you know, th there's no wrong answer with trying to support the veteran community. I think uh, every company can benefit from a talent perspective, from a, a social agenda, part of your diversity strategy, um, and uh, the there are a lot of people in the whether it's the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation, the uh, DOL Vets, Department of Labor Vets program. There's a lot of people that want to help. And so if you're interested, the community will respond. You know, you can do that via LinkedIn to say, I'm thinking about a program and uh, there are tons of people that are willing to share and support. It's a great collective effort to do right by the veterans who serve the country. Terrific. Great advice. And for any listener, again, that wants to learn a little bit more about Sean and his work, you can find that at sageandcventures.com um, or go to the Duke University website and um, search for the Veterans Transition Research Initiative. And with that, I thank you very much, uh, Sean, for fitting this into your busy schedule and sharing some um, insight with our listeners. We very much appreciate that. And you listeners, um, same thing. Thank you for sharing some of your time to check in on another Ogletree podcast. And finally, to our veterans, of course, thank you for your service. Uh, you deserve our thanks. You deserve our respect. And to everybody, a happy and meaningful Veterans Day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.